In the previous episode... What I do when somebody comes to me is, of course, I research the condition. So I don't have to have knowledge about the condition. I can read, I go on PubMed, and I research. I try to figure out if there is a medical treatment for it. And this is probably supporting autoimmune conditions is where we as functional nutritionists differ most profoundly with medical practitioners because of what we can offer our clients as opposed to the medical doctors. Now, this is not to criticize or anything. It's just that medical doctors are limited where it comes to autoimmune conditions. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. On today's episode, we're going to explore the influence of food on the immune system. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice, and it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history and lab testing, you're going to have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th. 2023. And you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com. That's nesliveconference.com. And we'll also put the link on the show notes page. Our guest today is passionate about real, healthy, fair trade, natural, sustainable, local, plant strong, and delicious food. He's an author, speaker, facilitator, father, dancer, and movement builder. As the co-founder and CEO of the 500-plus member Food Revolution Network, he helps hundreds of thousands of people to stand up for the health, for their health, and the health of the world. His best-selling book, The 31-Day Food Revolution, has changed millions of lives. He leads the Food Revolution Summit, annually with his dad, has been doing this for the last, oh, 10 or 11 years. His dad is best-selling author and the son of one of the founders of the Baskin-Robbins ice cream chain, which, by the way, he walked away from early on in his life because he felt like it wasn't helping people, it was hurting people. And he and Ocean have been changing lives. John is a best-selling author. Ocean is a best-selling author. And I am thrilled to call them friends colleagues, and mentors. So thank you so much, Ocean. I know you're busy changing the world, and I so appreciate you taking time out to I'm be with so us I'm so grateful for the opportunity, Rita Marie. You are one of my heroes. I think you are one of our heroes for everybody who wants to find solutions to the chronic disease epidemic and uh, create healthy lives that make food the foundation of joy and prosperity and abundance and wellness, we turn to you for guidance and wisdom. And we thank you for providing it so abundantly. 
Wow. I'm honored. I'm honored to, for, to hear you say that. And I just loved being with you. And I always tell people, you, your family is a model for everybody's family and for the health of the world, because there's so much love that exudes from you and your dad and everybody that's around you. So, And that's what I think is missing a lot of in our broken medical system. It's not just the food that's broken, but it's the attitude and the way that people go about yeah. their lives in fear and fall out of well, love. Well, it's so true. You know, food is very personal. What you eat literally becomes you. It's super, super intimate. And at the same time, it's political and social and cultural, and it affects farmers and farm workers. It affects policies and practices all around the globe. What you eat literally affects whether certain animals live or die. It affects whether ecosystems are intact or not. It may even affect the ability of future generations to have water and soil to grow food to feed their families. So what we eat has a huge impact. And what I think is beautiful is when we can restore to our relationship with food the sacred connection that it is, then it isn't just a commodity, it's a community. It's not just a, a thing we yeah. buy for momentary pleasure or throw it down the hatch to have a little more energy to go on through the day. It is an act of nourishment and love and delight and joy that connects us to the living web of life on earth. Mm, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And more so, I think there's been a lot of emphasis over the last couple of years, certainly on the immune system, right, because of the situation we've been in, but also on food. And more and more people are saying, okay, there's, there's no solutions here from a medical perspective. What do we do and how do we take care of ourselves? And that's really what I want to explore today is how does what we eat impact our immune systems and the function of our well, immune systems? Well, profoundly. I mean, your immune system, first of all, is we think of it as if it's just a bunch of little Pac-Man going around, you know, uh, eating things <laughs> up. And there are white blood cells. They play an important role, but it is so complex. I mean, you've got your mucous membranes in your nose and eyes and mouth, which use white blood cells to fight infections before they ever get inside you. You've got T cells and you've got B cells that create antibodies uh, that, that uh, fend off invaders and destroy inf infected cells. You've got your bone marrow and your spleen that make white blood cells and your lymphatic system that transport transport lymph, uh, which is a fluid that contains white blood cells throughout your body. And all of these systems work together, or at least they should. And by the way, let me add another piece to your immune system, which is anti-angiogenesis. So angiogenesis is the way that your body creates blood cells to, uh, blood vessels rather, to feed cells. And what uh, anti-angiogenesis does is it's when your body turns off the blood supply to cells that are troubled or yeah. perhaps not, not in harmony with the body's whole. And the truth is we all produce cancer cells just about every day of the week in our body in some place or another. And your body just naturally sees it and is like, hey, you, you don't get any more blood. <laughs> you know, you're not behaving. So, so that's what anti-angiogenesis does. So the thing is that food can play a critical role in your body's ability to respond effectively and appropriately mm. to infections. A lot of times we overreact and that's that can lead to what we call chronic inflammation or even autoimmune conditions where your body is in constant fight or flight. Like as imagine that that there's a, you know, you, you want a police force in case your house is getting robbed. But let's suppose there's like police that are banging on the doors and, you know, firing guns all night long. 24 hours a day. It wouldn't feel mm. very good, right? Right, <laughs> and, absolutely. Or put another way, we've got the smoke alarm going off 24 hours a day, even when there's no smoke in the house. So a lot of us get overreactive 
and our immune systems are not able to settle down. And that this links to stress of all kinds, but most of all, the number one stressor is going to be nutritional. When your body doesn't have the nutrients it needs, it's under stress and it tends to get reactive. And by the same token, when you give your body the right phytochemicals and other compounds, the antioxidants that it needs, it's able to function beautifully. It can turn off blood to cells that aren't doing their job right. It can organize a whole microscopic army of nutrients that are trained to help your body fight off germs. It can do amazing things. So getting the right nutrition is absolutely critical. And there's two sides to that. One is not eating the foods that are pro-chronic inflammation and that get your body in a state of distress. And the other is eating the foods that your body loves that help you to be at your best. Wow. A whole educational process on, and that was a super, super review of the immune system and how it works, especially bringing in that angiogenesis, which a lot of people don't think about, although there have been some good TED Talks on it. But, you know, most people are not even aware of that piece, you know, that we have to stop feeding those things that are not serving us. But talk a little bit about, like, what are some of those foods? Let's talk about the ones that hurt first, like those foods that are not supporting folks in um, being able to fight off infection or that are causing people to overreact to the environment and to the things that get in? Well, at a high level, some of the biggest offenders are going to be excessive amounts of saturated fat, omega-6 rich oils, because in general, omega-6s tend to be more pro-inflammatory and omega-3s tend to be more anti-inflammatory. And, you know, ideally we're getting two or four to one omega-6 to omega-3, but most of us in the modern world are getting 16 or 20 to 1. So that that massive disbalance is a recipe for chronic inflammation. Um, Refined carbohydrates, especially added sugars, but also flours, white flours, all the processed foods, white rice, these things, um, and excess sodium, and also uh, factory farmed animal products are all linked with uh, chronic inflammation and the perpetuation of oxidative stress and and disease, which can all lead to a weakened immune system. So, you know, basically you look at the standard American diet and you say, okay, we're getting most of our calories from ultra-processed foods, from fast foods like burgers and fries and shakes and stuff, from meat itself, including especially processed meats, lots and lots of dairy, sugar-sweetened beverages, and alcohol. By the way, I didn't mention alcohol, but it's also pro-inflammatory. Well, you put all that together and you've got a recipe for chronic illness and for chronic inflammation, which is kind of the root cause of a lot of the immune system distress that we see today. Wow. So here's the thing, right? You look over the last couple of years, and when people get stressed, they they tend to eat more of those foods you just mentioned, right? Yes, sure. We want comfort. We want comfort foods when we're distressed, right? Right, right. And when people are fearful, they're living in fear. Is this bug, this virus going to come and invade me? Or, you know, am am I going to lose my job because of what's going on economically in the world and all this stuff? And then it's like, let's just reach for the burgers and fries and some wine and, you know, some Cheetos to wash it all down. And so it's almost like this prescription for failure of the immune system has been propagated throughout from the the habits that people have that reach, what do I reach for when I'm stressed? We don't reach for a a bowl of broccoli, right? Most people don't anyway. Exactly. No, we don't. Usually. Usually. Now, I want to say that that is possible to change that. Yes. I've, I've literally had times when I'm stressed and tired 
and I snack on, you know, some kale. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. happened, <laughs> you know, and and I, I won't I won't lie. It probably didn't feel as pleasant in that moment as a bag of potato chips would have. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'll bet you I felt better later on the next day and my oh, yeah. conscience felt better and my body felt better. Um, and that's the thing is when when we're stressed, we tend to make worse choices. Right. Yes. I mean, you tend to be drawn to bad habits when you're in stress. And that's one good reason to proactively eliminate excessive stress with things like meditation and exercise, loving relationships, um, self-care practices, baths, all the things you can do that help you feel good proactively so you don't get into a state where you're susceptible to making bad choices. Um, And also have a lot of compassion for yourself. If you ever do make not so great choices when you're down, realize you weren't at your best. And at the end of the day, the key is to get healthy habits in place, you know, because it's what you do when you're down and tired and stressed that actually is is your habit pattern. And so mm. when your habits are uh, not the healthiest, then that's what you'll fall back on. And if, if it's a war between habits and willpower, guess who's going to win? <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Uh, especially when willpower is down because you get yeah. tired like a muscle. You can only use it a little bit every day. So the right use of willpower is to focus on healthy habit creation. That that means getting rid of the bad stuff out of your kitchen, getting healthy stuff, coming up with strategies. Next time I'm tired and it's 11 o'clock at night, instead of finding myself on the wrong end of an empty bag of cookies, you know, I'm going to not have those cookies around. And instead, I'm going to have some hummus ready to go in the fridge, you know, that I can dip some carrots in or something, you know. And so you've got a plan and you've got something you can do that will meet that need, you know, and... Uh, And the other thing is finding other ways to meet the need that aren't food at all. You know, a lot of us fill the gaps in our hearts with food and it's something we can control, which is lovely. And it gives us a a sense of intimacy and connection with something else outside of us, essentially. But at the same time, there are other ways to nurture and soothe and settle yourself. Think about the ones that really help, you know, help you feel better instead of just distracted. Yes. You know, I love what you said. There's a lot of, of, of gems in that, in what you just said. So first of all, w- the ideal is that when we're stressed, that we create these other habits that we, th- these other nurturing things that we reach for, a bath or a meditation or hug or something like that. But in lieu of that, because that's, that's, that's I think, a little bit more downstream, we start to go, okay, I'm, I, I have to eat something right now because it's only the only way I know how to calm these negative emotions. And so you learn to reach for healthier things. Like you said, you've been known to snack on broccoli at late at night when you're tired and stressed. Well, we shouldn't snack on anything late at night. I mean, right? <laughs> right but, it's absolutely. Right. But if you're going to do something, bowl of broccoli. My son has told me that a few times. Because if I get really hungry right before bed, I know I shouldn't eat. I just make up a big bowl of broccoli and I eat that. And, and that's a good habit. But it is better, of course, the downstream, the next, the good, better, best kind of approach is it's better to figure out how to soothe yourself without the use yes, of food, right? Absolutely. And with healthy things, you know, a lot of times, you know, you got different options, you know, I mean, some people turn on the TV to soothe themselves, you know, and just sort of watch whatever's on. And I'll tell you, maybe occasionally that works for some people. If it does for you, great. But, but a lot of people wind up, all they do is kill time. And they wake two hours later, they've lost sleep. Mm -hmm. And they're not actually feeling better the next day. You know, there, there is a cycle. And numbing out is different from nurturing. Yes. Yes, because when you numb out, when you wake up from the numb, the pain is still there. 
Right. Exactly. When you nurture yeah. and you soothe and you come up with ways to support yourself, the, the pain is lessened, right? So the, the trick is to think about what things will lessen the pain right. long-term as opposed to just numbing it out short-term, right? Cause, and, that, and that brings us back to food. Because, and that being stuck to food. Because <laughs> uh, chron- chronic pain is often directly connected to your body being in chronic inflammation. Right. Whether it's joint pain or muscles or bones or just aching in your body, all too often that is a sign from some part of your body that's saying, I'm hurting because I'm inflamed, I'm agitated, I'm distressed, you know? And, you know, not, you know, food is not a miracle cure-all for everything, but it is amazing how much less pain people can feel when they get out of that chronic inflammatory state, yes. which by the way is what's necessary to be able to respond to illness effectively. So people get sick way less often when they're not in a state of chronic inflammation. Yes. I mean, personally, like I probably get sick, I don't know, every five years or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not never, but it's rare, yeah. knock on wood, you know, <laughs> but but I know people who get sick like four times every winter. Yes. You know, and and you know, what's the difference? Well, a part of it is probably I hope that all my healthy eating has me in a less inflamed state. Absolutely. You know? It makes a huge difference. It, you, you, it really does because your body knows how to react. When you maim, so to speak, I have these little cool pictures in some of my side presentations about how we maim the immune system components. We, we, we yes. poison them. They're, they can't work because of this chronic inflammatory state, because we're deficient in certain vitamins, because we have this overload of toxic exposures and pesticides and herbicides and other things that are in the foods the lack of nutrients, and then the the immune system can't work properly, which goes back to the catch-22 we've been in, in this, when we're in a state of chronic fear, fear of getting sick, what can I do, fear helplessness, that maims the immune system even more. And so you do that, and you sit on the couch eating Cheetos and drinking wine, and wow, that's a prescription for you're going to be the next one to get sick. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. And life works in cycles, and you can create positive feedback loops or negative feedback loops. And the thing is that when you when you eat foods that are pro-inflammatory, you're going to have more pain and suffering and more stress in your body, which is going to tend to make you more lethargic, which is going to tend to make you exercise less, which makes you fatter and sicker and just not feeling good, which makes it harder to move, which makes it harder to make good choices, and it's this negative feedback loop. But there's also a positive feedback loop. Yes, when let's you talk about that. When you choose to eat foods that are healthy and life-giving and nourishing, you're saying yes to your body. You're creating, dialing down the stress. You're getting more lean and lighter and more vibrant and energetic. And then exercise becomes more fun and movement becomes more fun. And when you feel better about yourself, you're more likely to make better choices and you get habits going and it becomes your path of least resistance. And eventually, even when you're down, you still make good choices yes. because that's just how you roll, you know? Right. And so that's that's the beauty of positive feedback loops. And it's all about momentum. I mean, right now you might be looking at your life. You're like, okay, if I keep going on the path I'm on, I can see where I'm headed. And if I take a fork in the road and choose a healthier direction, that might be where I'm headed. You know, maybe I'll add some years to my life. Maybe I'll avoid a sickness. Maybe I'll feel better. Maybe I'll have more joy or peace in my relationships or just feel better about myself. You know, all those things are possible for you. And it all starts with taking the steps. 
and moving and then keeping going. It isn't your aspirations that shape your destiny. It's your habits. It's what you do day in and day out. But your aspirations open the door. They show you what's possible. They say, okay, there's a new path here right now in front of me that could lead to a new direction. Do I want to take it? So hope, mm. hope is knowing something's possible and change is actually doing something different. And both are available, but I want to be very clear. You don't get change without hope. Like mm. you have to know it's possible before you get the change. But of course, hope's not enough. You've also got to do it. Got to take action. You can't just think about it. And thinking about it is important. Very important. And thinking about it and, and aspiring to it and making the decisions. But you actually have to take the action. You can't just imagine it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, you know, a lot of the folks listening, we have a lot of people from different walks of life, but the majority of people listening to this podcast are in the health and wellness field. They're health coaches, they're doctors, they're, they're nurses. And, you know, for those who are trained in the Western system, they weren't trained to teach people how to eat well. So what are some things that we can share with our practitioners, you know, especially those who may have just, you know, 10 minutes with a person and they have to mm -hmm. give them as much as they can. What are some tips that we can, as health practitioners in that therapeutic um, regime, or even just talking to people on Zoom or telemedicine or however people are, are dealing right now or in person, what are some of those things that we can do to help people to improve their immune system? Well, first of all, I, I want all practitioners to treat food with the seriousness that it deserves. Like impart that to your patients, that this isn't just window dressing. It's not just a nice sideshow and drugs are really where it's at and surgeries are really where it's at when it comes to medicine. Like the truth is that food is the absolute foundation. And we see so many cases of people who are getting off cholesterol lowering drugs or they're getting off of anti-diabetes medications. They're, they're getting off of all kinds of medications they no longer need when they change their diet. And so it's super serious. It's super real. What you eat directly impacts LDL cholesterol. It directly impacts, you know, your, your level of inflammation in your body, the amount of cytokines you produce, the, the, the white blood cell count in your body, your body's ability to respond to illness and infection and how you feel. It's super, super real. And, you know, it may take a couple of weeks of modified diet to start to see those effects. But Seriously, it doesn't take that long in many cases. Uh, we see these immersions time and time again where people are eating standard American diet. They go into a two-week program where they eat whole foods plant-based for two weeks. They have to change their meds like twice during that time. And often by the end of two weeks, they're off of a whole bunch of meds that they thought they would take for the rest of their lives in two weeks. So <clears throat> it's very real. Um, and, you know, a simple acronym. I love Dr. Joel Furman has G-bombs you know, which is a nice like framework for some of the top superfoods that you want to emphasize for immune health, for fighting cancer, for longevity, you know, and G-bombs is greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, and berries. And, you know, there are other immune supporting foods, but those are kind of yeah, the, of uh, oh, and did I left, I left out seeds. Oh, so seeds, greens, beans, yes. greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds is the G-bombs. And, um, you know, the, each of these has incredibly powerful compounds that are amazing for supporting your immune health and your overall vibrancy. And it's a good way for folks to focus. You know, I like to focus largely on crowding out the bad with the good from a psychological standpoint. 
you know, if I tell you, don't think about the color red, where does your mind go, right? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so don't think of, don't think about junk food. Don't think about donuts. Don't think about meat, you know, and people are like, ah, I need it. So instead I say, think about the greens that you're going to eat and the onions you're going to eat and the beans and the mushrooms and the berries and the seeds and how you're going to get those into your life. Eat whole plant foods, lots and lots of them. Make that the centerpiece of your diet and you naturally crowd out the bad stuff. And a lot of people actually get away from cravings for unhealthy foods when they eat enough healthy foods because their body's actually getting what it needs now. Yeah. You know, in a previous episode, we talked to Dr. Terry Walls and she's telling people, you need at least eight cups of, eight cups, eight servings of vegetables every day. And if you do that, you, you don't really have much room for the bread and the <laughs> pasta because you're just like, okay, I'm kind of full now. And that's going to provide the immune system with the nutrients and the phytochemicals and all that stuff that it needs to do its job. And without, you know, you think about a, a worker, right? You have a construction worker, for example, and you ask them to do a job. If they don't have the right tools, if they don't have the right raw materials, they don't have wood that's not rotted away by termites, how are they going to build you a strong house? And it's the yes. same way in our bodies. Absolutely. So, yeah. So getting those, the, getting a, a saturation of all those amazing phytonutrients, all those antioxidants, all that folate, calcium, uh, vitamin C, all, all the quercetin, the organosulfur compounds that are that are in, you know, onions, the amazing uh, immune modulating properties of mushrooms, all different kinds of mushrooms that are powerful in fighting cancer and supporting immune health and, you know, beans, which give you especially fiber, you know, you need lots of fiber for a healthy microbiome, because most of what the bacteria in your gut need to thrive is fiber. And when you eat lots of fiber, they have a lot to feed them and they'll propagate and multiply. And then they in turn will create the neurotransmitters that make your brain feel good. They will help you fight off infection. They'll help your gut lining to do its job to keep pathogens out so you don't have leaky gut. So a healthy microbiome is absolutely critical. And the most central thing we can do for that is, of course, fermented foods are lovely but we want to feed the good guys so that they don't just get in there and starve to death. Right. And that all comes back to fiber. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Dr. Walls was talking about, and this is going to be new to a lot of people when you listen to that episode, but she says six servings a day of those probiotic-rich foods, and that amounts to about a cup and a half of sauerkraut or other kind of thing. And that's a lot for people. So I'm going to throw yeah. in a devil's advocate piece, because as practitioners, we hear people coming in and go, oh, I listened to this, and I listened to that, and this particular component, and the lectins, and the salicylates, and the oxalates, mm -hmm. and what's a person to do? And whenever I eat beef, I get gassy. And if I eat too much greens, I get this and I get that. So yep. yeah. So how do we how do we approach those people? Like, what's the best <laughs> conversation? Well, you just raised a few different things. So number one, uh, yes, there's all kinds of uh, fear out there about foods. And so I like to look at you know, yes, there's something called anti-nutrients, which you kind of alluded to, you know, oxalates. And, you know, there, there are a number of different so-called, you know, anti-nutrients that, that, that a lot of people are concerned about right now. Um, and th these are things that sort of bind to minerals and vitamins in your body and keep them from being as, as readily absorbed. Uh, phytates are another big one, you know, and lectins are another one that people talk about. Now, here's the thing you have to look at. Oh, there's also tannins, by the way, and, and goitrogens. So if you look at 
what these actually are and do, some of them actually have real benefit nutritionally. But for the most part, I like to look at food as a whole. So it's it's a it's not just a bunch of isolated compounds. You know, you could just take a vitamin pill and a mineral pill and you'd get your vitamins and minerals theoretically, but you probably wouldn't absorb them very well because your body doesn't treat food in isolation. It treats it like a symphony. You don't just listen right. to the trumpet. You know, you listen right. to the whole orchestra and that's what gives you that feeling of beauty and wholeness. So that's how food is. Uh, when you look at the studies and you say, okay, how do people fare when they eat different foods long term? You know, epidemiological research, when we can track hundreds of thousands of people over decades and look at what they eat and what their health outcomes are and how those vary. And we get a lot of data from that that is sometimes more relevant than what we could see based on a lab, you know, with, in, with isolated compounds. And what we see is that the foods that are high in uh, generally in various uh, so-called anti-nutrients like phytates and oxalates and lectins, you know, a lot of these same foods are associated with longevity. They're associated with amazing health outcomes. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, I look at the whole and we also see that, you know, some of the lectins are super healthy. Some of the phytates turn out to be having significant health benefit for a lot of people. And it may be that some of the so-called anti-nutrients actually modulate minerals uh, absorption in ways that are beneficial. For example, most people are getting too much iron. We hear a lot about iron deficiency. Of course, that's a concern for some. But statistically, uh, most of us, a lot more people are dying from diseases caused by excess of iron buildup in the body than not enough. So it may be that some modulation in that is actually helpful for people. We don't exactly know the mechanism, but I do say in general, fruits and vegetables tend to be higher in some of these so-called anti-nutrients. Also legumes are and grain, whole grains are. But they also tend to be super healthy. So when I look at that data, I say, I think it's overblown. And if you're deficient in a particular nutrient, you may want to take a look. So there's little doubt that chard and spinach and a few other greens, you know, are, are high in, in oxalates that can impact digestion and absorption of certain nutrients. So I don't actually look to spinach. It's super high in some minerals, but I don't actually look to it for those minerals. And I, I don't eat a lot of chard or spinach for that reason. But I, I lean into kale and collards, you know, bok choy and cabbage more because that doesn't have as much of that concern. Um, but in general, you know, eating more vegetables is just kind of good across the board. There's There's nuances and tweaks, but that's the big picture. Now, if you're eating a super healthy whole foods plant-rich diet, and you're struggling, then of course, that's where a practitioner gets in to help you nuance and finesse and figure out, well, why are you struggling, right? And you see a lot of people, Rita Marie, I know who are struggling with digestive challenges, with gas and bloating and those kinds of issues. And they're, they're eating lots and lots of fiber. Uh, and you know what I see is that sometimes initially, when people have been eating very little fiber, and most people have been eating way too little fiber, when they add a lot, their microbiome changes really fast. And so one of the elements can just be there's a there's a sudden change happening. And it's like a muscle that gets stronger as it gets used. So the ability to make use of fiber sometimes is a muscle thing, right? But there are also times when people have uh, a particular condition or challenge in their body and they don't do well with certain things. So doing, going on an elimination diet can be helpful. So you eliminate all the suspects and see if you have improvement in your symptoms. And then you can add things back one at a time and see what kind of results you get. You know, the way I look at it, every one of us is completely unique. You're the only you on the entire planet. And so are all your patients. And so 
just because studies say that 80% of the time or 90% of the time people do better with a certain compound or a certain food doesn't necessarily mean it's true for all people all the time. So, and a lot of times your patients may be the outliers, you know, they may be the people who are trying all the right stuff and it's still not working well for them. And then that's where you need to fine tune and tweak and test and adjust. Absolutely. And that, I so agree with that because the majority of people do better when they shift to a healthier diet. No, no doubt about it. Take out the processed foods. And then there's those, as practitioners, that's why we're doing podcasts like this in our training program for practitioners, is that we're helping you to be able to nuance it down to the particular person. So yes, yeah, some people do need to watch for oxalates. And truth of the matter is, Nature didn't intend us to eat just one food every day. And a lot of folks, when they go, oh, eat more greens, the easiest thing to find and to tolerate is spinach. And so then they eat all this spinach and then they end up with all these mineral deficiencies and and signs of oxalate, you know, dumping into the body and the tissues. So we, it's variety that nature has intended and everything is a double-edged sword. I don't know of any food that's 100% good that doesn't have some chemical that in excess could be damaging. Celery, yes, buckwheat, so bok choy, even all of those that are the, the most tame, so to speak. If you eat it every day, it's going yeah. to be problematic. There's there's a there's an actual journal article about a woman who uh, ate, you know, I, I 10 pounds a day of bok choy. Oh. And she 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 got in a coma and died. Wow. You know? Um and you know uh, that was that was too much for her, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Bok choy is awesome, but not ten pounds a day. Not ten pounds a day. And the thing is that every plant—I mean, everybody's out to survive. So plants are like that too. They don't want the predators. They don't want the bugs. They don't want all the things that are out there that keep them from growing to full life. They don't want them to to eat them all, right? So they, and and animals before they, because they're not thwarted with our crazy, you know, stop at the fast food place on the way home. They have this in, innate ability, and we do as humans too, but we get messed up early on to know this is good and this is not so good. Oh, I'm going to have a little of this. Okay, I'm ready to move on to the next plant and the next plant and the next one. So we're not meant to overdo these things. It doesn't mean that something that contains oxalate is bad because almost everything has some oxalates in it. It doesn't mean it has lectins in it. It's bad. Almost everything has lectins in it. So we have to, as practitioners, we have to be this voice of sanity. And I always tell people, if your body doesn't tolerate a good food, something that is healthy. I don't mean, you know, cheeseburgers from McDonald's. I mean, a good healthy food. It's either you're doing too much for your body to tolerate or there's something wrong inside with the mechanism, the leaky gut, the dysbiosis. And we don't just suddenly go from a crap diet, you know, standard American diet with all this stuff in it to having this perfect microbiome within two weeks. You mentioned some symptoms go away and we get off drugs a lot of times, but your microbiome doesn't like completely go to this perfect microbiome in two weeks, right? And all the leaky gut symptoms and all the damage that's been done doesn't completely clear up. And so it's, it's consistency. It's not like do it for two weeks and go, okay, I'm done. Let me go back to the cheeseburgers, right? Not at all. No, it's, it's, um, it's the, it's the continuity that matters. And sometimes you get fast results and sometimes it takes a little more time or a little more tweaking, I know a lot of people who've gone plant-based and they feel worse for a little bit. Now, a Mm -hmm. lot of people feel better, but some people feel worse. It's not a guarantee because you may have more gas. Like I said, you know, sudden increase in fiber can often create a feeling of gas and bloating, you know, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but you may want to slow down a little bit and make sure you're getting a good balance of soluble and insoluble fiber. 
Um, and, uh, you know, just take it one step at a time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So the tra- the thing is slow and low and slow is what I always tell people, whether you're supplementing with something, taking an herb, adding mushrooms to your diet, adding more greens to your diet. You just don't go and, oh, I haven't eaten greens in four years. So I'm going to have 10 pounds today. <laughs> Body can't tolerate that. So I love this conversation and we can go on for hours, but we don't have hours. So we're running to the end of our time together. And what I would love to hear is just a couple of quick takeaways that you can give our practitioners that they can take in and use right away to get results with their clients and support immune system, going back to that. I know this conversation applies to just about every system in the body, every hormone in the body, but going back to immune system, which has been such a central focus over the last few years, just a couple of quick takeaways. And Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, there's a whole host of um, incredibly powerful phytonutrients that help the body to bring down inflammation and to be strong in the face of viral and bacterial and cancerous pathogens. And, uh, you know, these are mostly found in the plant kingdom, you know, and again, I think that greens are amazing sources of folate and antioxidants like lutein and folate is really helpful for producing antibodies that work against antigens. Um, beans are amazing sources of fiber. And then you've got, you've got your onions, um, which as I mentioned, are a great source of organosulfur compounds. You've got your mushrooms, which, uh, have incredible immune boosting properties. Uh, we have a lot more to learn about mushrooms. There are so many different kinds of them, but we're just keeping blown away by how good they are for health and fighting cancer as well. And then you've got berries, you know, which are so tasty and delicious. And um, they are great at bringing down inflammation. We're seeing studies showing they're great for brain health and preventing Alzheimer's. And they're a great source of phytochemicals and vitamins. Um, and then, of course, seeds. Um, chia seeds and flax seeds and walnuts and almonds are great sources of fiber. Healthy omega-3 fats, especially your flax and chia seeds. Uh, great sources of zinc, especially from pumpkin seeds and sesame seeds and hemp seeds. All of these are really powerful for immune health. And of course, vitamin C, we hear about that all the time, but it's true. Vitamin C is awesome for immune health. And the the best sources of that are going to be peppers, red peppers, especially, and citrus. We hear about citrus all the time. There's actually more in red peppers, but all over the plant kingdom, you find vitamin C and it's wonderful too. So you put all this together, you can bring down inflammation and you can boost health. But I want to speak a word also to the other chronic conditions that set us up for suffering. When someone is ill with a chronic health condition, they're much more vulnerable to things like COVID-19 and other viral pathogens. And obesity is a big one. You know, the U.S. has about a 40% higher death rate from COVID-19 than Europe. About 40% more people who get it die just proportionally. And is it a coincidence that the U.S. also has about 40% more obesity than Europe? Mm, Wow. You know, those two things, you just look at those and you realize that the obesity rate amongst the COVID-19 death, there's a huge correlation there. And then you look at Europe and the U.S. and say, gosh, maybe people in Europe are just fundamentally a bit healthier. And that's because they're eating better and they're exercising more and they're carrying around less excess weight. And then they're more able to defend their bodies against a condition, you know, like COVID-19. And we know that, you know, the vast majority of COVID-19 deaths have been linked to so-called comorbidities, not all of them. 
but the vast majority. And so whatever you can do to help patients to prevent conditions like heart disease and cancer and type 2 diabetes, as well as obesity, will reduce their susceptibility to illnesses of all kinds, including COVID-19. And really, it all comes back to food. You know, the vast majority of all of these major lifestyle illnesses is linked to the food we eat. So we could, we could, we could slash our rates of heart disease and cancer and type 2 diabetes and Alzheimer's, as well as obesity by changing our diet patterns. And the benefits are absolutely profound. And what I love about healthier way of eating is it doesn't just help one condition, it helps all of them. You know, yes. when people feed their body the right fuel, their body responds better to everything it faces. Yes. Thank you so much for that. So how people who want to dig in more, how do they reach you and the great work that you and your business, your family are doing in the world? Oh, goodness. Well, uh, you can go to foodrevolutionsummit.org slash immunity to download our Smart Immunity Handbook nice. and also learn more about the summit where we provide lots of cutting edge education on these issues. Again, that's foodrevolutionsummit.org slash immunity. You can also go to foodrevolution.org and check out our website and learn about all these issues. We have hundreds and hundreds of blog articles out there. Search by topic, by food, by condition. You can learn about all kinds of great stuff there. And of course, you also part of the food revolution. I want to say every time you choose real food over processed junk, every right. time you help a patient or someone you love to make healthier choices, you're not just doing it, you know, for that meal or that moment or that person. You're actually helping to build a movement that transforms a toxic food culture into a healthy food culture. Yeah. And together we're changing the course of history. Yes. <laughs> Way to go. Yay. And we'll have those we'll have those links in case you didn't catch them. We'll have them on the show notes page so you can just click. And I encourage you to use um, the Food Revolution as a resource as you're training and educating your clients and give them resources. The blog articles are phenomenal. They're well-researched. They're well-written and very informative. So thank you so, so much, Ocean, for being here. I know you're busy out changing the world, and I so appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. And thanks for your amazing work, Rita Marie. Thank you. And thanks to everyone listening for all you do to spread the word. We thank you for that. That's right. We're changing the world one person at a time, one mouth at a time, one forkful at a time. And for you as health practitioners out there, the more you master the art of teaching and empowering your patients, your clients, and everyone you meet to use the power of food to restore health and balance to hormones, body functions, the immune system, and everything, the greater your success will be at getting them results and the greater your success in your practice. And I know that's what we're here for, right? We're here to help people. We're here to change the face of this broken disease care system into a true healthcare system. And it all starts with you. So remember to download the immune guide that we put together for you at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash immune. And until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the reInvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.